When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Once again, the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse brings you classic theatre adapted and performed by some of the very best audio players from around the world. So without further ado, here's your host for this week's show. And we're back to another great night with Sonic Summerstock 2013. And I'm here again with my friend David Alt. How are you today, David? I'm very well, thank you. And this time I have brought the chocolates. I've got some sweets. Uh, I've got some, some biscuits. And yeah, I'm all over this next and, show. And just for those people in New York City, we have never-ending <sighs> cups of pop if you need some. so Or soda, as they would say. I, in New York City, apparently right now, you're not allowed to have glasses over a certain size it's illegal i think the 24 ounce ones are illegal it's a way to sort of curb overuse of sugar i suppose but in this particular case we're in canada so we have no problem with that so go ahead absolutely not yes fill your boots Uh, as they say in nova scotia (laughs) which i have to say the first time i heard someone say fill your boots i had a really sort of sick image in my head <laughs> but then but then i spent now, a now lot you come of, to mention it yeah i spent a lot of time working with uh with babysitting before that and working with preschool kids so filling your boots was a whole different experience oh yes um, <laughs> i think actually we have that expression over in the uk as well oh, do you really I'm sure. I'm sure I've heard "fill your boots" before. Oh, now. okay. Well, it's it's funny. But uh, we, uh, there are loads of different uh, phrases for that, anyway. Knock yourself out is probably my favorite. Oh, that's favorite. true. It's exactly the same as knock yourself out and everything. Speaking of over in England, what are you up to? Uh, you're 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 doing some summer work yourself. Yes. Well, I'm I'm getting all prepared and ready for some storytelling. Uh, I do storytelling uh, in theaters across the UK taking uh, the, um, the stories that children come up with and putting them on stage, uh, which is really great. I, I mean, you should see the faces of the kids when they come to see their stories uh, put on in, in a big theatre, but it's, it's great fun. And storytelling is a wonderful medium because it's not acting and it's not just sitting there narrating like Jack and Ori. I don't know what you had over in Canada, but... Uh, it's that, that whole sort of sitting down with a book in a really bad jumper <laughs> and, and telling a story. No, it, it's, it's being able to narrate and, and be in the, the action at the same time. And it's a very, very raw in a way because you don't, you don't need loads of props or anything like that. It, it's very raw, but at the same time, it's tremendously rich. Wow. In that you can, there's no fourth wall. You, you interact directly with the audience. But where necessary, uh, the wall is back in place and you, can, you, you continue to tell the story with your, your fellow 
uh, storyteller on stage. So it's it's a wonderful medium. And it's it's the most primal. I mean, it's the most original. Absolutely. It's, it's where stories yes. all come from. I remember there used to be a television show called Story Theater, which I absolutely adored. That came in from uh, the States. Uh, I still remember the theme song and everything <laughs> for those people who remember. Is, uh, Why don't we sing this song all together? And it went on and they would were on this huge sort of wagon and all of these actors were just sort of walking towards this stage. And it had people like Alan Alda at times that were on the show. <laughs> and what they did was they retold old fairy tales, but they told them in such a way as, like you said, the fourth wall wasn't there. They would, they would narrate their own actions. And they pantomimed the entire mm. thing, so they didn't even really have many props. But they went through the entire story, mm. and it was very cool. I remember as a young kid really enjoying that. So, like you said, what a kick and what a great way to sort of spark imaginations to get kids to see that. Exactly. And and that's what we're trying to do, make the fairy tales of tomorrow mm-hmm. and, and get people telling stories and, and firing that imagination because a, a, children's, a child's imagination is an amazing thing and it's not just used for, for English or, or, or writing stories or, or becoming any kind of writer at all. I find from a, a science point of view that, uh, that science needs imagination you, you won't get anywhere uh, if you're wanting to do physics or chemistry or anything like that, and, and especially maths, if you don't have uh, a good imagination, if you're not able to think in, in very creative and very different ways. Absolutely, and I think that's one of the reasons why Carl Sagan did so well mm. in, in, the, in the general public was he, at first and foremost, he could tell the story of science. Absolutely. He could, he could weave it in such a way as made it very, it sounded almost mythological and romantic and the way that mm-hmm. he did it, and you're mm. right. It, it's, it's so important to be able to bring all those stories. There's a very famous, and I, I've quoted this before, but there's a very famous uh, story in the native tradition where they say there are four great appetites of a man and they said the first is is food and a man can go weeks without food the second is water and a man can go days without water the third is air and a man can go minutes without air and the fourth is imagination and the moment a man loses his imagination he ceases to exist mm-hmm. which is a really interesting and neat yes. way for for <laughs> us to look at at how uh, how what makes up hum- humanity yeah. and i think like you said story is everything and that's been my my belief and tonight is no different here in lovely Sonic Summerstock. We have While Whispers Wait with Rachel Kavik's story back for Christmas. Yes, talking about appetite. I hope you have one. Oh, I'm so got... glad. What, what kind of chocolates are those? Oh, oh, these are mint chocolates. Oh. And if you want, I've got some Turkish Delight, which isn't chocolate. Well, I'm sure I've got some chocolate-covered ones down here somewhere. Sure. It's a little, it's a, it's a, a Turkish Delight. Of the ones that we have in Canada, they're covered with chocolate, but they're almost like this gelat, um, gelatin center almost yeah 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 it's it is just uh rose water sugar and gelatin so mm, okay well let's go <laughs> what was it doctor who used to enjoy uh, jelly babies jelly babies that's right do they still make jelly babies <laughs> oh absolutely yeah oh oh yes you won't get far in in the uk without finding some jelly babies somewhere so <laughs> all right let's have some of that and let's move on for back for christmas with rachel kavik and wild whispers way looking forward to it
Suspense. Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations bring you radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Starring tonight, H. Keith Lyons in Rachel Kavik's production of a tale well calculated to keep you... Suspense. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Oh, jingle bells, jingle Yes, my dear. What on earth are you doing down here in the cellar? Why, just doing a little digging. And why, may I ask, have you chosen this day, of all days, to dig up the cellar floor? Well, I thought, as the weather had been so damp, this would be a good time to plant that little uh, devil's garden I told you about. Devil's garden? What nonsense is that? That was my little joke about it. You see, I've I've managed to get hold of the spores of several unclassified wild orchids. In their wild state, they bloom under damp masses of leaf mold. The Araucanian Indians call them devil flowers because they appear to bloom under the ground. Well, I'm sure there are Aronkian Indians who will be very interested if you succeeded in growing these ridiculous flowers in the cellar floor. Whom else it will interest, I can't imagine. Oh, what is that terrible smell? That's the leaf mold, chemically identical with the earth blanket they grow under in the wild state. I suppose I should line the pit with concrete so as to prevent seepage from this foreign soil, but I, I don't suppose there will be much time for it now, and I do want to get these started before we close the house. There certainly will not be time for it. Do you realize we're sailing for America one week from today, and you've made no arrangements whatever, unless you call digging a hole in the cellar making arrangements? I certainly don't. Devil's garden, indeed. Sometimes I think you're going soft in the head, Herbert. I suppose it's inconsiderate of me. You see, I've, I've been wanting to try this experiment for a long time, but what with my lectures and seminars at the university, there never seemed to be time. Well, there certainly isn't time for it now. I suppose you've forgotten I made you an appointment at the barber's this afternoon? Must I shave off my beard, Hermione? I thought we'd been all through that. Of course you must. They don't wear beards in America, so go get your jacket and do as I tell you. Yes, Hermione. And don't forget to take your umbrella. It looks like rain. Yes, Hermione. Oh, don't look so put upon, Herbert. Someone has to plan things in this house, or you'd never get to the university in time for your lectures, much less make arrangements for a trip to America. There'll be plenty of time to plant your precious devil's garden when we get home from America. You're not going to be gone forever, you know. We'll be back here for Christmas. Yes, of course. Back for Christmas. I'd forgotten. Well, try to remember it. And if you can't do that, just do as I tell you. I've been making plans in this house for twenty years, and if there's any digging to be done, I'll manage that as well. You understand, Herbert? Yes, Hermione. Good. You have just twenty minutes to clean up this mess down here and keep your appointment at the barber's. When you've finished there, I want you to come straight home. Yes, I, I wanted to stop at Miss Markham's and pick up some books I ordered. Well, all right, but don't loiter there the whole afternoon, grousing over old books the way you usually do. Now hurry up and clean up this rubbish. Get rid of that smelly stuff. And no more digging, mind you.
Yes, Hermione. Yes, Hermione. How many years has it been since I've been saying that? Ten years? Fifteen? Twenty? Clear up the rubbish? Yes, Hermione. Don't forget your umbrella? Yes, Hermione. Do this? Do that? Yes, Hermione. Yes, yes. How much longer can I stand this? Good evening, sir. Good evening, Miss Markham. Why, it is Professor Carpenter, isn't it? You, you like me better this way? You look ever so much younger without the beard. Twenty years at least. Twenty years? You'll be glad to know those books you ordered have finally arrived. Books? Phytotomy of phalloid gametophytes and coniferous shrubs of North America. Those are the ones you've ordered, aren't they? Yes, thank you. You're very kind, Miss Markham. Why kind, Professor Carpenter? Not many young ladies in bookshops would go out of their way to look up rare books for an old professor of botany. Why, you're not old, Professor Carpenter. Really, you look... And besides, I adore botany. It's my particular hobby. Oh, really? You never told me that before, Miss Markham. I was afraid to. You were so imposing with the beard and all. You might be interested in some specimen of alpine polyanthes that were just sent to me by a friend in Switzerland. Switzerland. I used to go there always for my holidays before the war. You love Switzerland? Every part of it. The lakes, the mountains, the beautiful spring flowers. Especially the flowers. Seems we have quite a lot in common, Miss Markham. I'm sorry we haven't talked before. I am too. It was all the fault of the beard, it seems. <laughs> Miss Markham, forgive me if this sounds foolish, but I feel that shaving off my beard is the most important thing I've done for twenty years. Oh, it is. I'm sure it is. I'm ashamed that I've been so distant with you all this time. Oh, there were times when I almost spoke up, times when you came in here, tired after a day with your students at the university. You seemed so alone the way I'm alone in the world. I'd like to have asked you to stay a while and talk with me, but some way or other I wound up giving you your change and letting you go on your way. You say you're all alone in the world? Since my father died. Did you never think of marrying? My father was a very remarkable man. I never found anyone who seemed to measure up to what he led me to expect of men. Then the war came. Uh, Miss Markham. It's been so long since anyone called me by my first name. I'd like you to, if you want to. It's Marion. Marion. And yours? Herbert. How long have you been alone, Herbert? A alone? I knew you were a widower, of course, the first time I saw you. A widower? I can always tell. There's a certain sadness in a man's eyes. A sweet sadness, I think. When he has been married, and then... A widower? I never thought of it quite that way. Perhaps I shouldn't be talking like this, but I've often wondered what she must have been like. Your wife, I mean. Hermione, not an easy woman to forget. Very strong, always managing things. The house, my wardrobe, my friends. When we dined at a restaurant, she even ordered my food. She was always managing things. You might say she managed herself to death.
poor woman. She must have loved you very much. But she needn't have put herself out so. It's plain to see you don't need things managed for you. You need companionship, I think. Someone sympathetic with your work. But the last thing on earth you need is a manager. How well you put it. The last thing on earth. That's the first time I thought of it, of course. And suddenly a whole new world opened up before my eyes. Marion and America. And no more of Hermione's planning my life for me. By the time I got home, my mind was working overtime. Well, at last. You certainly took long enough about it. What are you looking so pleased about? I don't know. Getting rid of the beard, perhaps. I feel twenty years younger. You look even smaller. Your face looks triangular or something. I'd forgotten your chin was so weak. But never mind. You can grow it back soon enough. After Christmas. Where are you going? Uh, down in the cellar. I just bought this electric lantern and I thought I'd put it away down there. Now, whatever possessed you to buy a thing like that? I don't know. I rather liked this lantern. It might come in handy. Who knows? Now, Herbert, don't start digging down there again. I have a hundred things to do, putting the house in order before we leave. I want you to carry these boxes upstairs for me. Yes, Hermione. And if you're going down in the cellar, take this along and stuff it into but the furnace. But this is my old bathrobe. I may need it. Nonsense. I've bought you a new one. Get rid of it. And don't start puttering down there with that devil's garden, or whatever you call it. I'm through digging, my dear. I think the pit is quite deep enough now for my devil's garden. It would all have to be carefully planned, of course. Just as carefully planned as Hermione was planning the trip to America. We both went about our arrangements as the days passed. I spent all the time I could with Marian, and finally she consented. And then it was the last day, the big day, the day we were to sail for America. Operator, operator, are you there? I'm still waiting for that call to Salisbury. Oh, we'll put them on, quickly. Hello, is this Paul Holton, sons? It's Mrs. Herbert Carpenter. Did you receive my letter? Good. Now, remember we'll be back for Christmas, and I want the job done without fail. What's that? No, I'm sure he doesn't suspect anything. Send the bill to me in New York, as I instructed you, addressed in my name, of course. Yes, I already put them in the mail. You'll get them tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, here you are, Herbert. Where have you been? Backstairs. I dismissed the servants. Dismissed the servants? But I asked some friends of mine to a farewell luncheon. Go and tell them it's a mistake. Well, I'm afraid it's too late now. They've packed and gone. You have messed things up properly. How many times have I told you to leave things to me? I make the plans around here. Yes, Hermione. You'll have to do better than this when I plan the trip home, or we'll never in the world be back for Christmas. Back for Christmas. Back for Christmas. Must you keep saying that? Why not? 
We are coming back for Christmas, aren't we? Supposing I were offered a professorship in one of those wealthy American universities. Nonsense. Americans care nothing for botany. Luther Burbank was an American. That's different. What have you ever done except muck around in the dirt with lots of roots and tubers? They asked me to lecture. That means something. Of course they asked you to lecture. Americans will pay to hear foreigners deliver a lecture. Once. Now there's no use getting yourself in a state about this, Herbert. No doubt the extra money will come in handy when we arrive. Back, Back for, for Christmas. Christmas. Precisely. And it's no good you're making a joke of it. Heaven knows where you'd be today if I hadn't a sense of time. Yes, my dear Hermione. And as you've been so foolish to dismiss the servants, you may empty the ashtrays and straighten up this room while waiting for guests to arrive. I'm going upstairs to change. Call me when they get here. Yes, Hermione. Yes, Hermione. Yes, Hermione. For twenty years, Hermione. Always so right. Thought of everything. Well, not quite everything. There, running her bath now. Safe to call Marion. If Marion were to change her mind now. After all, we haven't known each other for very long for this sort of thing. If she had any idea that I was not a widower, yet. Marion, it's Herbert, my darling. Oh, nothing's wrong. My plans are the same, unless you've changed. No, we'll meet in New York and be married there. I'll explain why later. You'll have to trust me. Yes, yes, my darling. I'm sorry, I can't talk any longer. Yes, I'll meet you in New York, without fail. Until then, my darling. Herbert! Herbert, were you talking on the phone just now? Yes, Hermione. Whoever was it? Um, Freddy. Freddy Sinclair. Didn't I hear you say something about meeting someone in New York? Why, yes. Old Freddy said he might possibly get over there before we leave, and I said, of course, we'd meet him there if he did decide to go. That seems very peculiar, but then all your friends are peculiar. Yes, Hermione. And just look at your jacket. Have you been digging in that cellar again? Yes, Hermione. Well, there's no need for it. You can't possibly get that devil's garden thing finished. Go and change your clothes before the guests arrive. Yes, her... Never mind. I see somebody coming up the walk now. Go and let them in. Yes, Hermione. Herbert? Yes, my dear? Look out the window. There's Professor and Mrs. Goodenough. But who is that with them? Why, it's... Precisely. Freddy Sinclair. Peculiar, you should have been talking to him on the phone not three minutes ago, and now here he is. Uh, yes, isn't it? But then, as you say, Hermione, all of my friends are peculiar. Not half as peculiar as you, digging in the cellar an hour before we leave for America. Just look at yourself. And, now that I think of it... Yes, Hermione? Oh, never mind. Go and let them in. You're going to ask me something, Hermione, about the hole I'm digging in the cellar. Oh, good heavens! Stop rolling your eyes about that way. One would think you were digging a grave down there instead of a storage bin. Yes, Hermione. What's that? I said, yes, Hermione. Oh, bother. Open the door and stop saying yes, Hermione. I think, my dear, I've said it for the last time. 
back for Christmas. Hermione was so positive we'd be back for Christmas. That last afternoon, pouring tea for a few friends who had come in to say last-minute farewells, she kept reiterating it. No, mind you, Hermione, don't let those Americans lure your husband with one of their fat university jobs. We absolutely must have you with us for Christmas. He will be back, I promise you. It's not absolutely certain, of course. Herbert, what do you mean it's not certain? Of course it's certain. After all, Herbert, old boy, you've contracted to lecture for only three months. Quite right, but then, of course, anything may happen. Herbert adores being unpredictable. Now, what other man would decide the day, the very day, mind you, before leaving for America to dig a great hole in the floor of the cellar? In the cellar? Yes, he's going to put in some unclassified uh, wild orchids down there. A devil's garden, if you please. Sounds mysterious. That's Herbert, though. It's really quite simple once you find out what he's up to. Now, take that telephone call he put through to you a few minutes before you arrived, Freddy. To me? Of course. Herbert wanted to surprise me about your plan to meet us in New York next month. Wasn't that why he called? To ask you not to mention it? But, my dear Hermione, Herbert couldn't possibly have telephoned me within the past hour. I've been walking in the park since three. He didn't telephone you. How could he? And uh, as for my going to America... Now come, come, Freddy, you may as well own up. Hermione has found me out again. But Herbert, old chap, I really don't know... You see what a poor liar Herbert makes? He's as red as a beetroot. Aren't you ashamed of yourself, Professor, stringing poor Hermione along like that? And as for you, Freddy, I'm furious you said nothing to us about going to America. But look here, old girl. I've been trying to tell everyone here that I... Oh, stuff and nonsense. The game's gone on long enough. Besides, we must start getting ready. It was marvellous of all of you to come in and say goodbye. And don't worry about Herbert's little jokes. I will bring him back for Christmas. You may rely on it. They all believed her. For years she'd been promising me for dinner parties, garden parties, committees, and the promises had always been kept. This time they wouldn't be. I'd seen to that. The servants were gone for good. The farewells all said. I had time to the minute how long it would take to fill in the hole in the cellar. My devil's garden. Upstairs in the bathroom, I undressed, folded my clothes over a chair, and put on my old bathrobe. Then I opened the door into Hermione's room. Hermione, have you a moment to spare? Of course, dear. I'm just finished. Uh, then come in here for a moment. There's something rather extraordinary here. Eh, good heavens, Herbert. Why are you lounging about in that filthy old bathrobe? I told you to put it in the furnace. I'll do it today. Yes, I really will. I promise. Well, high time. Now, what is it you wanted to show me? In the bathroom here. Just look. Who in the world do you suppose dropped a gold chain down the bathtub drain? Nobody has, of course. Nobody wears such a thing. Oh, well, then what's it doing there? I don't see anything. Here, I'll hold this flashlight for you. If you lean right over, you can see it shining deep down. Such a lot of nonsense, just as we're... I don't see it, Herbert. Go on looking, Hermione, in just a moment. Herbert, I absolutely refuse to... Herbert, what are you doing? Take your hands off my neck. Oh, I will, Hermione, just as soon as I finish the arrangements for my trip to America. What are you talking about? 
You thought you were the only one who could plan such things, didn't you, Hermione? Well, I've been making some plans of my own this past week. In exactly one minute and forty-five seconds, you'll be dead, Hermione. You see, I've planned it very accurately. You'll never get away with it. I thought you'd say that, Hermione, but I will get away with it. You won't mind the smell of the leaf mold down in the cellar when I take you down there today. Yes, that's where you're going, Hermione, into my devil's garden. That annoyed you so much. The solid is full of clay. It won't settle much. In a month or so, it won't even look dug up. My friends, they'll all expect me back for Christmas. If they don't hear from me, they'll wonder. And if I don't come back, they'll start asking questions. No, they won't. "'because you'll write them letters, Hermione, on the typewriter, as you always do. "'They'll be signed H, in that neat, cryptic way you always sign your notes to your friends.' "'Let me up now!' "'No!' "'It won't work, Herbert. You were never any good at planning things.' (laughs) "'But I've changed. I've learned from watching you all these years.' "'The lecture people in America, they'll be expecting you to travel with your wife.' "'I will be travelling with my wife, but not my present wife, Hermione.' Fortunately, they've never met you. I'll write a few letters home for you. Then fewer and fewer. Write letters signed with my own name, always expecting to get back, but never quite able to. Keep the house one year, then another, then another. They'll get used to it. I might even come back alone in a year or two and clean it up properly. Say you died in America. No one will ever suspect that you are lying under the floor of the cellar in this very house. Herbert, it won't work. I tell you, that pit you dug in the cellar. I can assure you, my dear Hermione, it will serve its purpose. Herbert! Sorry, my dear. I've got to get this done on schedule. You have just five seconds to say your prayers. Herbert, you must listen. The cellar, it won't do it. Herbert! Herbert! The water cut off at the main as I knew she would order it. She was so thorough. So was I. A clean blow at the base of the skull. Nothing to wash up. The electric current shut off at one o'clock, just as she ordered it. She thought of everything. So did I. My nice new electric lantern. Plenty of light to work by. In the cellar. The old bathrobe she wanted me to throw away came in handy now. If there should be any chance bloodstain. Then in the fire with it afterwards. The last evidence of my devil's garden... It was going well, still an hour, till I had to leave for the boat. The hole was almost filled. Oh, no. Uh, Not now. Go away, whoever you are. Go away! Did I leave the front door unlocked? If it's the Wallingfords... No, no, go away! Go away! After that, it was easy. Put the finishing touches on the devil's garden, dress fast, get out of the house before 6.30, take the boat train to Southampton, and board the ship for America, all according to plan. Hermione's plan. Oh, Stuart. Yes, sir? 
My wife is indisposed. She'll be taking her meals in our stateroom. For the whole voyage? Yes, for the whole voyage. I trust your wife is feeling better this morning, Professor Carpenter. A little, not yet well enough to leave a cabin. Oh, I'm sorry. By the way, here's a copy of the radiogram you sent for your wife last evening. Oh, thank you. I'll just check it over. But look here. Oh, what is it? Did the typist make a mistake? No, no, nothing important. She can correct it later. For a moment, I had a feeling that Hermione had been leaning over my shoulder again, correcting what I had written, as she always did. I had written a radiogram to Professor Goodenough and his wife. Haven't been out of my cabin the whole beastly trip. Herbert, well, doubt will be back for Christmas. The copy read, no doubt will be back for Christmas. Exactly what Hermione would have written. Well, the rest of the voyage was uneventful. Marion and I met in New York just as we planned. Just as we had planned. Professor and Mrs. Carpenter, we have reservations, I believe. Oh, yes. We've been expecting you, sir. Boy, take Professor and Mrs. Carpenter's luggage up to their suite. You know, Mrs. Carpenter, you're quite a surprise. Your letter reserving the rooms was so thorough. I was expecting an older, more forbidding sort of person, frankly, ma'am. No, as a matter of fact, we're just married. But my letter reserving the rooms? I wrote the letter, my dear, and signed it, Mrs. Carpenter, just as a joke. What a cunning old fox you are, Herbert. Now that I think of it, I am, rather. Oh, I almost forgot. There's a letter for you. Mrs. Carpenter. That's peculiar. I wonder who on earth. Well, we shall find out in good time. Come along, my dear. We're keeping the boy waiting. Ah, nothing like a cold breast shower to put a man to rise. Herbert, this letter. Oh, yes, the letter. Uh, dry my hair, will you, dear? It seems to be a bill of some sort, from a building contractor in Salisbury. Hmm? Oh, bother, dry your own hair. Oh, thank you, my sweet. Let's see this bill, or whatever it is. It's very puzzling, Herbert. You were a widower, weren't you? I mean, Hermione isn't still alive. Good heavens, no. Let's have this. Dear Madam, well, that's a good one. This is to acknowledge your order, together with the keys to your house in a Lanston place. Our men had no difficulty in finding the place where your husband had begun the excavation in the cellar, but apparently he changed his mind at the last moment and filled it in again. What is it, Herbert? Our men will begin digging tomorrow, and you may rest assured that it will be a professional job and will be completed in ample time for your surprise Christmas present to your husband. We are happy to be conspirators with you in this thoughtful gesture, and hope that Professor Carpenter will be pleased at the results of our work that he so quaintly calls his Devil's Garden. Very truly yours, Paul Holt and Sons Contractor. 
What does it mean, Herbert? It means that Hermione was right, and I will be back for Christmas. Back for Christmas! Back for Christmas! Back for Christmas! Back for Christmas! Suspense. Tonight's story, Back for Christmas, was originally adapted for radio from the classic serial Suspense by William M. Robeson, which aired December 23, 1948. This evening's presentation was produced by Rachel Kavik of Wisp of Memory Theater for the Sonic Summer Stock Playhouse. Featured in our cast were H. Keith Lyons as Herbert, Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as Hermione, Nicole Wilkes as Marion, Katarina Fury as Mrs. Hewitt, Jeff Niles as Sinclair, Victor Aurelius as the steward, and Ryan M. Cerro as the clerk. Incidental music by Kevin McLeod and Video Blocks. Special thanks to David Kraus for a new arrangement of the suspense theme by Bernard Herman. Sound effects from freesound.org and Video Blocks. Sound and mastering by Rachel Kavik. This is Bruce Busby wishing you all pleasant dreams. Well, it's always fun to have Christmas in July. Thank you so much, Rachel, for bringing us back for Christmas. That was fun. I, I, I feel like it's Christmas morning already. I know. I think I've eaten a little too many sweets myself. Oh, don't mention it. We will see you Monica. next week Hopefully. when we feel a little more rested and a lot more hungry. I'm Jack Ward. I, 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 I just need to run. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> And that's this week's performance for the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. All productions, performances, characters and scripts presented in the Playhouse belong strictly to their copyright holders, and no copyright infringement is assumed or intended. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is part of the Sonic Society podcast and Electric Vicuna Productions. Any shows that continue their run must have explicit permission from all parties involved. Join us next week at the Playhouse for another classic performance. I am your announcer, David Alt. Good night.
Buongiorno. I am Flaudio, and I am very interested in what makes audio drama work. I want to share with you my recipe for a perfect evening. An evening for two lovers. Lovers of audio drama. When I plan an audio drama, I want to make sure that everything is perfect for us. The soundscape is the most important thing to set the mood for the night. When I lay in a special ambiance or sound effect, it is very important because it can express what I feel so perfectly. A sound effect can speak for the story when words just cannot capture the love I feel. Love I feel for you. When it is dark, I turn on the sound effects. I turn up the soundscape. And the voices can then dance in a perfect state of bliss, where there is no world except the one we make with our love. No time except what is needed for our story to play out. A story that we will make come true. This audio drama public service announcement was brought to you by the Amigos.